Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special edition of Ignite Radio Live over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. You're with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, and what a blessing to be together tonight. Absolutely. You'll hear my voice a little scratchy, uh, certainly maybe the allergy thing, but um, also as a result of really a phenomenal event this past Saturday under beautiful sunny skies. Just very blessed under a big tent and on the campus of Holy Trinity where six priests joined us and led us more deeply into the Eucharist. And you're going to hear that some of that program tonight. We're going to do another part next week. So we handed out a booklet, and if you want a free booklet, we'll send it to you. It was integrated with that event. So if you want a booklet, I'd be happy to send it to you for free, ideally digitally, alive at massimpact.us. So anybody who might be asking the question, well, what's the mass? got to do with me, they answered that question for each section of the Mass. And um, we made a companion kind of page for people to reflect upon. And for each section, we simply asked, what specific commitment will you make to more fully live this part of the Mass, personally, in your marriage and family, in the parish, and in the world? Before diving into this, though, Steph, just some brief comments. What struck you most uh, following this family Mass this past Saturday? Um, I don't know if I can give a most, but certainly the priests who were present in their sharing and uh, just going deeper. Um, another image that comes to mind is the families, just beautiful families coming together for the day to grow more deeply in the Lord together as a family, from little ones running around in the field to, you know, the middle schoolers and the high schoolers very, you know, attuned and into what was going on. Um, the Ignite was very powerful, mm. as always, to come in front of the blessing and gift of our Lord Jesus Christ in the sacraments of the Holy Eucharist, um, together just pouring it all out in front of him in praise and worship and the praying over each other. Um, and personally, our women's breakout session, just very blessed and edified by the sharing of such beautiful, godly women and, you know, just going there together to learn from each other and to... Uh, you know, just be edified in that way. So a brief commercial, but an important commercial. Um, if you go to massimpact.us, what has God called us to do? Why are we doing this? Why are we taking time out every week and really in the movement our entire lives? This is full time for Stephanie and our family and many families, increasing number of families joining with us. Why are we doing this? Well, the banner says it fairly clearly at massimpact.us. We're yearning for more than another program but a way of life in Jesus Christ. Now, please understand me. God makes himself present through our humanity, and that means programs. We have programs, right? But we recognize all of us who are being drawn to this to kind of break through, if you will, connect the dot, Catholicism, break through from this dot to this dot. We want to see it spill over in our marriages spill over in our families and in our homes. And we're seeing that happen. And I would say this family Emmaus was a tremendous opportunity to see more and more families put that flag in the sand to really commit themselves to creating cultures of encounter with Jesus Christ. And the tool that we provide to help do that many, but one is this Live It Guide. You can get it on this app, massimpact.us forward slash app. And uh, and get this guide new every week based upon the subsequent Sunday readings. We can't encourage you more strongly, strongly enough than just taking 45 
minutes a week, spending that time as a family. And we know it may be kind of weird or awkward. You may have fears. It, let's face it, it's a lot easier to do this with our men's group or our women's group or in the church. But the most important place, the most needed place, the most critical place where God's kingdom needs to come alive is in the family. As John Paul II said, civilization passes by way of the family. So just want to encourage you out there, if you haven't done it, you hear us saying this again and again. If you want to, a year from now, look back and say, you know, the difference that was made in the year coming up, coming into the school year, it's going to happen. If you make make a priority, make it sacred, make it holy, and we're here to support you doing that. We have monthly Catholic family gatherings. We have Ignites, uh, events taking place at parishes. All those are great, but they're all meant to ignite something, and that is our marriages and our families. So, Steph, we're so blessed by benefactors who truly themselves are examples, exemplary Catholic witnesses. But um, they support us and they make this happen because just for our folks out there to hear, 95% of what we do is absolutely free. Well, nothing is free, right? So it takes people who are generous and who are giving, but 95% comes from probably 5% of those involved. And we are very blessed with Family Emmaus to have a number of companies they merit your patronage. There is professional excellence in each one of these companies. And uh, so as we name them, know that we're together lifting up them up in prayer, asking for God's anointing and blessing. We need godly Catholic companies making a difference in the world. So a big thank you to Rita Dodd at Abilities Hand Rehabilitation in Sandusky, Ascension Medical Device, Bill Notler, Carpets by Otto, um, who's also a big supporter of Annunciation Radio, Auto and D. We love you guys. You're awesome. Uh, Citizens Wealth Management Group, Deacon Ed Maher and his lovely wife, Loretta. We have to give a shout out to her. Ed Schmidt Auto, uh, Rich Cronin is the president and just a phenomenal ongoing supporter. We thank you, Rich, and your beautiful family. Interstate Commercial Glass, Walt Erickson, again, lovely wife Liz and children, for your support so, so much. Um, McClure Insurance Group, Matt McClure is president, thank you. Miller Fastener and Components, Paul Miller and his beautiful wife Joan and their family, thank you, thank you. ProMedica, Barb Petit, if I'm saying that right, thank you so much. Um, SJS Investment Services, Kevin Kelly, uh, and his lovely wife, Kate, and their awesome children. Thank you. Spangler's Restaurant and Pub, Sherry Weideman in Napoleon, Ohio. We give thanks for your generosity. So with no further ado, we're going to turn to part one tonight, uh, the Family Emmaus event. We called it Live the Mass, Change the World. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Give yourselves a big round of applause. So two key themes that we want to focus on today that come from Luke 24 are one, their hearts were burning within them. And two, they came to know him in the breaking of the bread. And so today we know that the Lord is faithful and he desires from an encounter with him, just as the, the disciples had on the road to Emmaus, to draw us ever more deeply. That he desires us to be all the more open today for our hearts to continue and burn even more and to come to know him in a deeper way in the breaking of the bread. The theme is live the mass. 
We want this day to be a day, I want it to be a day as a husband and father of a greater openness to God's grace. As far as I may have experienced God, and I've experienced him in amazing ways, I've actually seen physical healings. I've seen blind kids see after being prayed over. I've seen a cripple get up and walk after being prayed over. Of course, the Eucharist is the ultimate miracle that's the heart of all of that. I have seen amazing miracles. I've seen thousands of kids giving their hearts to Christ. I've experienced many powerful things. But today, God is saying the same thing to me as he is to you, that he wants to open our hearts even more. Can't say that strong enough. So open your hearts all the more to Jesus today to receive that outpouring of his grace. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together the bread that we break is it not a participation in the body of Christ the cup of blessing we bless is it not the participation in the blood of Christ St. Paul puts it well he says it like it is. This is what happens every time we gather in every Catholic church. This is what happens when we gather for the Mass. Each and every time we gather for Mass. Christ not only speaks to us, but Christ becomes one with us. That's right one with us. During the course of the Mass, we not only hear the words of Jesus, once spoken on the hills uh, of Palestine, we actually become part of an event that occurred on the hill of Calvary. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we mystically enter that moment when God so loved the world that the universe stopped. And in the spilled blood of an innocent man, the tight grip of sin released, the stranglehold of death gave way in the cry of our Savior when he said, Into your hands, Father, I commend my spirit. Into your hands I hand over my life. That, you see, is what happens inside our parish churches. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross breaks down the doors of time, breaks apart the walls of space. Something happens here in our midst, and that something is called salvation. The walls of time fall away, and for a brief moment, 
the world stand still as the powerful effect of Christ offering his life on the cross for our salvation and the salvation of the world rushes in like a driving wind here in our midst, in our churches, in our time. This country, this city, in this week, in this year, in the life that is ours and this world that is ours, in this act of worship that we render to an awesome God. In our churches, we don't just talk about the pretty eyes of the little boy born of a woman named Mary long ago in Bethlehem. We don't just talk about the body of a prophet hungry and weary and racked with temptation in the heat of the desert. We don't just talk about the teaching of a wise rabbi who preached to fishermen on the seas and to priests in the temple. No, we don't just talk about Christ when we gather for Mass. We become one with Christ. At the Mass, we are changed and transformed by the deepest act of love that history has ever known. We become one with Christ, whose belly still aches in the bodies of the thousands of children who die of hunger each day. We become one with Christ, whose chest is knifed in the dark alley of some big city. We become one with Christ, whose skin is pierced by shrapnel in the Middle East. We become blood brothers with the patient whose blood is thin with Coumadin. We become blood sisters with the African mother whose blood runs thick with HIV. Realize it or not, this is what happens at Mass. We join our souls to Christ and offer our bodies with his on the cross. Why? For the salvation of the world. Why? For the salvation of souls. Why? So that the wounded get bandaged and the hungry get fed. So that the evil will be overcome and the world may be made new. So that humanity, once again, will be made whole. This is what happens at Mass. The sacrifice of Christ saves us anew. No words can explain it, but St. Paul comes close when he writes, the bread that we break, is it not the participation in the blood of Christ? The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not participation in the blood of Christ? You give life. You are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord, it's your breath. In our love, so we pour out our praise, pour out our praise, it's your breath. In our love, so we pour out our 
Father Tony Recker. Good afternoon. All right, so we got a lot of kids here, so I'll try to keep it simple, a lot of it. Uh, our, my task in front of you today is to start to talk about the Mass, so to talk about the introductory rites of the Mass, and as Monsignor Billion did a great job of talking about the meaning of the Mass and what it really is about. It's about the heart of our faith. And what's the heart of our faith? Jesus. I should say who? Jesus Christ is the heart of our faith. And what has he done for us? He has saved us through his death on the cross, right? How beautiful it is. And we celebrate that. We become present at Calvary every time we go to Mass. That's why we call it the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And that's why I'm called a priest. And that's why these gentlemen back here are called priests, because we offer the sacrifice of Jesus. And he works through us to give us the fruit of the sacrifice, which is what? As Monsignor Billion said, unity, communion, holy communion. We don't have to be there 2,000 years ago. We can be there right here and right now every time we go to the Holy Mass. What a great gift that is if we reflect on its meaning. So we've got to recognize that first so we understand what the introductory rites of the Holy Mass are all about. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Right? So we begin with the, the sign of the cross. Why? Because the actions of Jesus on the cross are not just the actions of Jesus. It's the actions of, of all the members of the Trinity. Of persons, excuse me, of the Holy Trinity. You got the Father offering his Son on the cross. You got Jesus accepting his role, right? In love of us to offer his life for our salvation, pouring forth the Holy Spirit to be in our hearts and to make us holy and one with God. We begin right there. And then we have the, the penitential rite. Okay, so, all right, so the kids, you can be involved with this. When you do something bad to someone, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to apologize, right? You're supposed to say you're sorry. And as we get older, it's still the same. So if you've ever had a, an argument with someone and you don't make up, the next time you see someone, it's a bit awkward, isn't it? Every time we sin, we offend God. And we have to recognize that. That's important that we recognize that in our lives so we can invite God in to get that out and so that we can have true communion with him. Because you can't have communion with God if you're on the outs, right? So it's important that we make amends to him first. And so Jesus tells a story, a parable in, the, uh, in Luke's gospel where he talks about uh, two different, uh, two different uh, a Pharisee and uh, a tax collector in the temple. You remember this, right? And so the Pharisee is praying in the temple, and he's saying to God, thank you for making me holy and not like all these other sinners, right? And he says, thank you, Lord, for making me holy. I go to the temple every day and pray. I give some of every dollar I earn back to the temple. I do all of these good and holy things, including fasting. Thank you, Lord, for making me holy. And then there's the poor tax collector who's sitting there, not even looking up at the temple, 
And he's just beating his chest saying, have mercy on me, a sinner. Who's better? You guys listening? I don't, who's better? The tax collector is better. And that's kind of a surprise because the tax collectors, they were bad people. Right? They made their living by cheating people. So you wouldn't expect it to be the tax collector. But he's the one who's right because he's the one who's sincere. And he's the one who really means it. Do we mean it every time we start the Mass? That's the question in front of us. The routine can become so ingrained in us, right? Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. To mean it from the heart and to enter into what it's really about and to make it sincere. I'm one of six children. I have 18 nieces and nephews. And the oldest is 21. The youngest isn't even a year old. And so I get a lot of time with them. And uh, last week I was with my... uh, sister and her husband and their four children the youngest is not quite a year and the oldest about six or seven her two oldest were uh sitting in the living room and i was sitting in the lazy boy just kind of sprawled out trying to trying to relax and they started fighting which they always do dj and louis and so being uh the nice uncle (laughs) i just kind of i don't want to be a part of this you know so i wait for my sister to come in now here's a question now so when they're fighting what do you think the response is she wants from them? Do you think she wants the older one to say, he hit me first, or he called me a bad name, or do you think she wants to hear her say, I'm sorry, Mom, I won't do it again? You already answered. Okay, you know, right? I'm sorry, Mom, I won't do it again. That's just the way it is with us and our relationship with God. We need to make amends before we invite him in so that we can experience the glory of God and make room for the Holy Spirit. And that's what the Gloria is. The Gloria is an act of adoration of God. And where does that come from? Does anybody know where the Gloria comes from? Glory to God in the highest, peace to his people on earth. Where's that from? Yeah. Heaven, exactly. And when did we first hear that? Do you know? When did the angels first sing that in heaven? Who knows? Anybody know? I'll give you a hint. It's a, oh, we got one over here. All right. Of course. Yeah, when Jesus was born to the shepherds, right? So, well, to Mary. And then, so, so Jesus was born, and then the angels appeared to the shepherds right around Bethlehem. Do you guys remember this story? And then, uh, they started singing. They had a vision of heaven, right? They had a vision of heaven. The heavens were open up and the angels were singing. We sing that as we begin Mass. It's like we're in the heavenly liturgy right there and then. And so I always try to think in my mind, wow, isn't this beautiful? Isn't this amazing? I'm singing the songs of the angels to have a vision of heaven as we enter into the Holy Holy Eucharist. And there she goes. All right, so uh, and it, and the, the Gloria is not just the glory of God the Father, we also sing to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. So just as we started with the Holy Trinity, we're ending the introductory rites by praising God and entering into the heavenly liturgy. And so the two takeaway points when you, when you go to Mass then is this. Try to make your contrition sincere and realizing your sin, true repentance, Lord have mercy on me a sinner. Have that as a part of your heart because it's part of being a Christian. 
And then secondly, recognizing the great act of worship that we're in in the heavenly liturgy as we enter into the action of Christ on the cross. God bless you. We're going to take a moment, a little bit of a transition moment before we go to the third part. And taking kind of Father Tony's setup, invite us to think about the times where maybe any of us, if we're really honest, have said, I didn't get anything out of Mass. Well, when we get something, that language, it implies kind of we're holding on to something in our hands, right? Like these wonderful little kids, when they got some Tootsie Rolls, they were hanging on to something in their hands. And sort of inspired by Father Tony's words to us, maybe sometimes we're going to Mass and we're hanging on to other stuff. And the question is, well, what do we need to let go of so that those hands can be filled with God's grace? So we're going to take a brief moment right now, and it's a reflective moment. I'm going to call this Unbound Prayer. Actually, it's from a book called Unbound by a great author, Neil Lozano. And there's three parts to this that he sees in Scripture and he sees in our Catholic faith as an occasion to get rid of stuff, to let go of junk so that we can be filled with God's grace. So let's just take a moment right now in prayer. The first thing is forgiveness. So closing our eyes and just praying for the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Illuminate our minds and hearts right now of those that we need to forgive. Make us aware, Lord God, of people in our lives, spouse, children, brothers and sisters, friends, family, people we've worked with, neighbors. Even going back in history for those of us older, Lord, make us aware of maybe teachers, other adults, anyone who's lied to us or about us, anyone who's deceived us, anyone who's accused us, anyone who has embarrassed us, anyone who has condemned us, anyone who has used us, anyone who has in any way abused us, anyone who's stolen anything from us or rejected us. I want you to be mindful, brothers and sisters. The Holy Spirit wants us to be mindful of those people in those areas. And I want you in your heart to simply say right now, I forgive you. So let's say it together. Mindful of all of these people to say, I forgive you. Let's say it again. I forgive you. Whatever that is in your mind or heart, that whoever that person is, I forgive you. The second category, so the first is forgiveness. The second is, whom have we hurt? Whom have we hurt? Think of your spouse, your children, your parents, relatives, aunts or uncles, brothers, sisters, those we've worked with. Whom have we hurt? Who have we lied about? Who have we deceived? Whom have we unjustly accused? Whom have we embarrassed? Who have we condemned? Who have we used? Whom in any way have we abused? Whom have we stolen from? Whom have we rejected? Just being mindful of these areas, Holy Spirit, make us aware of these people that we have hurt. And in our hearts, hopefully followed by some words today or tomorrow, reaching out to them, say, I'm sorry. 
just verbalize that right now. We don't know who that is, and you're, all of us have hurt others, or we'd be up in heaven with Jesus. We need to let go of this stuff. So whomever that may be in your life right now, let me just hear you say together, let's just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. By the way, we do this publicly at Mass, every Mass. We acknowledge that we are sinners, and we need to say we're sorry. Finally, the third category. So forgiveness was the first. The second is saying we're sorry, repentance, which literally means to turn. The final is voices, I'll say, whispers that speak to us lies of who we are because our fundamental nature is that we are sons and daughters of the Father in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. That is our nature. We are tabernacles. God purposefully fashioned us. Anything else that whispers anything else to us, we need to renounce. And our sacraments speak of this renunciation of the work of the enemy, the liar who deceives us, who is jealous of us. And over time, some of us get older and we still are allowing these voices to speak to us. So right now, I'm going to name these things and I want you to think about them in your life. And I'm, after them, we're just going to say, I renounce you. Pride. I renounce you. Control, I renounce you. Depression, I renounce you. Hatred, envy, and jealousy, I renounce you. Self-pity, I renounce you. Blame, I renounce you. Voice who says we are ugly, I renounce you. Humiliation, I renounce you. Rejection, I renounce you. Insecurity, I renounce you. Fear, I renounce you. Addiction, I renounce you. Failure, I renounce you. Lust, I renounce you. Revenge, I renounce you. Shame, I renounce you. Narcissism and vanity, I renounce you. Self-righteousness, I renounce you. Stubbornness, I renounce you. Gluttony, I renounce you. Materialism, I renounce you. Entitlement, I renounce you. Ingratitude, I renounce you. Scrupulosity, I renounce you. All of these things, in the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce you. You gotta stand up again. <clears throat> We're getting some church calisthenics in here. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart,
seat as we invite Father Adam Hertzfeller. So I have the pleasure here of speaking on the liturgy of the word, but I want to I want to start with something that you might see when you drive around town that once in a while I see and um, it kind of bothers me when I see it. You know, you'll see a sign that will announce that a particular church building is a full gospel church or a full Bible church. You see that? Have you ever seen that? Sometimes you hear it advertised that way, a full gospel church, a full Bible church. And while I think it's awesome that they want to be a full gospel church or a full Bible church, there's really only one full gospel church. There's only one full Bible church. That's the Catholic church. We wrote the Bible under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In that respect, we own the Bible, and we're the best church to give the world the Bible, the scriptures. And so that's where I want to start with, that we are the full gospel church. We're the full Bible church, and we should be very much proud of being the full Bible church, that there's no other church out there that has the great treasure that we have in the holy scriptures that can lead us to our Lord. Now, knowing that then, how does the Catholic church display this great jewel, which is the Bible, the scriptures? It displays it in the liturgy of the word and so it's at mass where it is best displayed the Gospels the Bible the scriptures where we come to encounter Christ through them now those scriptures um, we should keep in mind um, a couple things um, about them in the liturgy of the word if you're like me you hear those scriptures proclaimed and they go in one ear and out the other they kind of gently wash over you, and then you forget them, and you don't have any connection with them anymore. So if that's going to be the way that you are, you're going to have troubles benefiting from this treasure that the church highlights in the Liturgy of the Word. Instead, you have to do some things to prepare for the Liturgy of the Word, or you'll never get anything out of it. The first thing that you have to do to prepare is to read the Bible in general, Raise your hand if you read the Bible, just generally speaking, every day. So we got a few hands. That's pretty good. Um, it should be every day that we crack open the Bible and just read it on our own and explore some part of it. Every day. Because that's how it's meant to be read. It's meant to be read by your inner curiosity exploring every part of it. So every day, read the Gospels. And then... The next thing is that if the scripture gives us this treasure in the liturgy of the word, especially on Sunday, then you better be ready for those particular scriptures as they come. And so what you want to do is you want to read those particular scriptures and pray over them over the course of the week as the Sunday is approaching. And so, you know, you can do that in any number of different ways. I know that Mass Impact has a great way to do it where you can read over the scriptures and then begin to think about them, meditate on them, ask questions about them. What you should always do is look for the connection that's there between the first reading and the gospel. So there is always a connection, I guarantee, between the first reading and the gospel. If you find a connection between the second reading and the gospel, good for you, but it's not intended. It's only intended by the Holy Spirit. The church didn't intend it. 
But the first reading of the gospel always have a theme that go together. So try and figure out that theme. So first, read the scriptures just on your own. It doesn't have to be connected at all with the liturgy. Second, read the scriptures according to the liturgy as you prepare for the upcoming Sunday. And then the third thing that you do is you go to church. You hear them proclaimed, and then you listen to what the priest or deacon has to say about those scriptures. So the priest or deacon, we can trust that the Holy Spirit is working through their ordained ministry and that there is a word that is supposed to be heard by you from what they have said. So afterwards then you can talk about it with your family, talk about it with your friends as you drive home or as you go to breakfast after church and see, okay, what we thought, what I thought about those sacred scriptures is that correspond with what the priest or the deacon thought. Um, and it doesn't have to. It's great if it does, but the scripture is like a well that you drink from and you keep going back to and you'll keep getting refreshed every time you go back to it. There's always going to be more and more insights that are present there. Um, so the Liturgy of the Word, it is where this church, our church, the Catholic Church, the full gospel church, the full Bible church presents its greatest treasure. The Lord be with you. With A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. After he had fed the people, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and precede him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them walking on the sea. When his disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once, Jesus spoke to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. So just to set this up further, and then we'll break off for some moments with our families or groups. Right at the outset, let me say, I realize that may meet some of you with trepidation. Wait, I can do that with my men's group on Sunday or with the women's group on Wednesday. You want me to talk and pray with my family? I don't mean to be sarcastic. I speak very personally. I know because your spouse knows you and they know your sins and your kids know you and they know each other. And under the roof, there's a lot more exciting things to do, seemingly. We've got video games and electronic stuff and sports and activities, all of which have a place and can be good. But it seems today that one of the most, for honest, one of the most challenging places to be open to God alive in our relationships, to make it happen, is in those among those closest to us. So 
I want to invite you today, in particular, as we are seeking to open our hearts more fully to see that there is no more potent context to experience God's grace than in your family. Let me say that again. There is no more potent or powerful context to experience God's grace alive than in your marriage and in your family and with your children. Number two, it's not just going to happen. It may come about certainly through conversations and interactions and, and it, ought to be an, ought to be an ordinary part of that, but it takes a parent leader, the mom or the dad, to say, let's gather and make this happen. It takes vigilance for parents to overcome the whining and complaining of kids who say, come on, really? We're going to talk and pray. We do that on Sunday. And ours, I get it. I get that totally. But I have to say to you in testimony, we are far from the mark, we leaders. But there is, other than the Mass, and I would say this is connected to the Mass, it flows from the Mass, there are a few things, if anything, more powerful in my wife's and my 20 years of marriage and in our children's lives than taking time every week to sit down and to connect in our relationships and to talk and pray. So with that said, that's where this guide comes from. It's downloadable as an app, massimpact.us forward slash app. It's free. It's based upon the readings. And I want to make the point with that that we're not about a great ingenious idea that we have. We're at the service of God's revelation to us in the great retreat that is liturgy. That's a lot of words, I know. We're at the service of the ongoing retreat that God gives us in liturgy. How many of you have ever been on an awesome retreat? Come on, raise your hand. Great retreat. How many of you came off of that retreat saying to yourself, I want this to continue. I want my family and experience and environment to be something like that. Guess what? That's up to us. You become the retreat master. You become the one that can structure that with, I get it, the busyness of life. This is one of the ways you can do it. There are many resources. This is what we're about, though. And I'm just giving testimony that it is singularly responsible for us as a family to experience God's transforming, empowering, renewing, teaching, forgiving, merciful grace alive. So you can look through the whole thing yourself. I'm not going to do that. You can read it yourself. I won't insult you. But page 16 is just one page. It's the one-page gathering guide. Page 16 shows you how pretty much we do it. And we call that top part daily questions. And we try to do them actually in the car or at the table pretty much every day. And the cool thing is now if I as dad miss out on it, one of the kids will say, all right, Hey, Dad, what's a victory? What's a challenge? What's something you're grateful for? The kids initiate it. It becomes meaningful conversations on those longer car rides, and uh, I learn more from them, and they learn more from me. When I say a challenge, here's the cool thing, parents, is number one, they have more sympathy towards me if I'm grumpy, or if I blow a gasket and go berserk, they understand because I shared the challenge that I'm dealing with, and it goes both ways. I become aware when they're struggling with something. Number two is it becomes an occasion of them praying for me. So Dad's, Dad blew a gasket. He shared that it hap something happened last week, and uh, we're going to pray for him. But number three, I know the next time I have to share a challenge, I'm kind of held accountable. Am I growing in that area? Am I learning to be victorious and not a victim? So the family becomes a saint-making machine, and that's what it's designed to be. When we take this time and do these things, it becomes a context to make us as Matthew Kelly said, the best versions of ourselves. So page 16 is kind of the guide, and it points to the other elements that follow. And, of course, this one corresponds to this coming Sunday. 
Now, you can read all these things uh, on the page yourself. I just highlighted the daily questions as one way to pique your imagination of how easy it is, just if you did that at the dinner table. People in our core groups that have done this throughout the diocese have said, have used the word game changer, culture changer. Just doing that part has been an occasion of their family to grow all the more and to be strengthened. So for, for this sake right now, we're going to page 21, which is the gospel that was just beautifully proclaimed by Deacon Ed. And I want you to note the blue box on the right side. For every single reading, they all get this first question. What struck you in this reading? Challenged you? Inspired you? What questions did it raise? That question alone may be enough to carry your family for a long time. And they'll, they'll get drawn into it eventually. They'll like it. If you have a men's group or a women's group, by the way, if you're an empty nester, you can get together with neighbors and do this. It's a great way of growing deeper with those neighbors or friends. We encourage that. We have a, um, um, what do we call it, the family guide and then just a group guide. So the second question in each one is a challenge to us personally. It's meant to be, how can I personally be challenged to grow or encouraged to grow based upon this gospel? The third one is kind of like for superstar saints, which we're all called to be. In my mind, this is kind of a measure of whether we're really getting it, that that grace is overflowing, because we're not just thinking of ourselves. It overflows, and we want others to know this. So that third question in each reading is, who is one person you might encourage to do the same as you in number two? And then finally, it's going around, share with each person how he, she has helped you seek God's will and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Encourage them. So I am simply, we're going to take a moment right now. I'm going to ask you to gather even your little ones. I know it might be a little difficult. But I'm going to ask you to go around, and you might even want to decide if you have the little ones on page, I want to say page 17, are fun questions. 17 and 18. Maybe just go around and everybody pick a number or a question. What I really like about my brother or sister is. One talent I'd really like to cultivate is. But maybe you will go to that gospel reading and spend that time in the next 10 minutes and simply ask, you know, what is one way you need to walk on the water? What one way are you aware of God beckoning you onto the water? What help do you need to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus? So again, we're going to take right now 10 or 15 minutes. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of sin? Jesus is calling How do you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling Oh, come to the altar the Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was born with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Will come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. 
praise God for a beautiful day. Uh, for all those, yeah. For all those uh, listening on Annunciation Radio, we wish you were here uh, with us today, uh, uh, but glad you're listening in. So some of the prayers that uh, priests do at Mass uh, are, are kind of like to, or not they're to God, but they're, they're like in a low voice or they're silent. We do them kind of to our, ourself. You know, you don't hear them like over the mic. Uh, so the principal at our school, this is kind of a funny story, uh, when she was uh, um, teaching junior high, there was a Mass at the school one day, and the kid, you know, just kept watching the priest, you know, kind of mouth all these words, you know, uh, week in and week out, and turns to Mrs. Asher and says, why is he always talking to himself? <laughs> so we're not talking to ourselves, of course. We're uh, saying special prayers as part of the liturgy. And some of these prayers um, you may hear at the offertory if there's no hymn being sung. But if there's hymn being sung, again, you're not going to uh, hear these uh, prayers. And so one of them is when the the bread comes up, we take uh, the bread, and we say this prayer. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands that will become for us the bread of life. And we take the chalice, and we say, Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. These prayers have ancient roots, it just uh, struck me, especially maybe with the, with the newer translation of the Missal, that it's, it's, it's through God's goodness that we even have this uh, bread and wine to be offered. You know, sometimes we're tempted to think everything we have just sort of comes from us, you know, and it's all on us. But it's even through God's goodness that we even have this simple bread and wine to be offered. And when we're preparing the altar and we pour the wine in the chalice, we pour a little bit of water in there, wine represents uh, the godly, the divine, and the water represents humanity. Just like Jesus had two natures, has two natures, human and divine. And so when we pour the little bit of water into the wine at that, at that offertory time, we also say this prayer to, uh, quietly. Say, by the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ, who humbled himself to share in our humanity. So again, in a sense, it's even through God's goodness the Son of God came to take on our human nature, and it's through God's goodness that he offers us a share in his godly life, in his very life, to share in the very life of God. So, you know, do we recognize all this stuff as, as gifts? Do we recognize it all as being through your goodness, through God's goodness? The bread, the wine, ourselves. The life that we have in God, the life that God wants to pour into us, do we recognize that all of those are gifts from God? Because it's easy, it's easy not to, right? It's easy to just sort of go through the motions. It's easy to take things for granted. It's easy to just want to sort of hold things for ourselves. It's easy to forget. It's easy to forget or maybe not even to know the giftedness that God has given to us, the life that God has given to us, the life that he so much wants to share with us. And so for, for everything, are we able to recognize that they're gifts? Especially here at the offertory time at Mass, are we able to recognize the gifts that God has given to us in our life? Are we able to claim them as gifts? Gifts given to us by God out of love. And having recognized these gifts, we're called to offer gifts in return. You know, Psalm 116 
says, How shall I make a return to the Lord for all the good he has done for me? The cup of salvation I will raise and I will call upon the Lord's name. You know, of course, the word Eucharist even means thanksgiving, this great act of thanks for all that God has done for us uh, in our life, especially giving of himself to us on the cross. And so we offer gifts in return. Now, thinking of offering gifts, we can maybe think back to the first offering of gifts in the scripture, Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel. So both Cain and Abel offer gifts to God. God accepted Abel's gift. He did not accept Cain's gift. That seems kind of uh, unfair in a way, right? So let's uh, sort of toss this out a little bit. So Cain was a farmer. So it says in Genesis chapter 4, what he offered to the Lord was some of his produce. And it says Abel owned livestock. And Abel offered to the Lord the first fruits of the flock. Sort of the, you know, before he did anything for himself or his family, Abel offered the first and best of his uh, flock to the Lord. Whereas Cain, it says, just offered some of his produce. I mean, that could have been Brussels sprouts, for all we know, right? Or like peas or something like that. So a Abel offers like this prime choice, you know, steer, and uh, Cain offers Brussels sprouts or peas. So now, I don't know, maybe you're a better human being than I am, but if someone offered you like a bowl of peas or offered you this like prime choice cut steak, which one uh, would you choose? The steak. Yeah, exactly. So Abel offered what was best to God. Uh, Cain did not offer, you know, maybe his very best to God, and God responded to that. So too for us. I think the question is, what are we offering to God? And are we offering to God our very best? And I think we can be mindful of this during the offertory time of Mass, where we offer bread and wine. This comes from uh, Melchizedek, also in Genesis. Melchizedek, the eternal uh, high priest of God, offering bread and wine, which, of course, Jesus, uh, the real eternal high priest, takes up at the Last Supper. But bread and wine also represent us because... Uh, I'm no like maverick in the kitchen, but I know bread is made from countless grains of wheat that are, you know, uh, mashed up or whatever you do uh, to those and, uh, you know, baked together and all that. And wine is made from grapes that are crushed and, you know, other stuff happens to it. And so even bread and wine comes from this multitude uh, that becomes one thing. And the bread and wine represent us as a body of Christ that all of us become not just individuals, individual grains, individual grace, but all of us are meant to come together into one in Christ. And at the offertory time, too, not only do we offer bread and wine, of course, we pass uh, the basket. Another way of offering our first and best of what we have made uh, to God. And so this is not just about paying bills. It's about giving us the offer, the chance to respond as disciples to all that God has given to us. So the question, again, we've recognized the gifts come from God. We're trying to offer gifts in return. Are we offering our best to God? Are we offering our best also to our family? Are we offering our best in our work? Are we offering our best in our parish? Recognizing gifts, giving gifts in return. This is all for the sake of transformation. We're offering what we want to be transformed. In a sense, this is even true of our monetary offering. We want it to be transformed into continuing the mission of the church. Of course, if the bread and wine uh, represent us, and we're placing them on the altar, 
so that they can become the body and blood of Christ, we're saying that we want to be transformed. We are desiring to be transformed into, into Christ, placing ourselves and our very lives on the altar in order to be transformed so that we can take on the life of Christ, so that we can know and live a fuller and more meaningful life that we know deep down that we're called to, to have the grace to give as we have been given, to be a blesser as we have been blessed, and to, to know that we share in the self-giving love of Christ in our lives. Now, of course, this takes some sacrifice. That's why we place them on an altar, which calls to mind the altar of the cross. But as with Jesus, this is really the only way when we offer ourselves in what's best that will lead to the life and the freedom for which we all long. You know, Mass Impact and Ignite has been going across the Northwest Ohio now for, for months, and, and thousands of people, literally thousands of people in our diocese have experienced that love. We believe that he said what he meant and meant what he said when he proclaimed that his body is real food and his blood is real drink. Simply put, Mass Impact is a nonprofit movement seeking the heart of God in the very heart of his Catholic Church. Uh, people just keep kept coming and coming. Not just in a moment, but, but to surrender their entire lives. We desire our hearts to be moved by what moves his. And to see that happening monthly. We are responding to an urgent call in an urgent time. The recent Pope, John Paul said, now's the time. This is the moment. We are taking big steps in faith throughout our diocese and beyond. I want to buckle my chin strap and take the field. And we are seeing tremendous growth. I mean, I'm just roused and emboldened to mission, to do something. We cannot do it alone. We need you right now. Please partner with us. Go to massimpact.us right now and click on the Contribute tab. If you and I respond in faith right now, we will see souls in heaven who would not have been there had we said no. It was nothing short of amazing. Does it have that same kind of effect on you? Please go to massimpact.us and contribute. It's time to move.